Welcome to the Alex Merced Cast, where Alex Merced of alexmerced.com brings you principled, thoughtful, libertarian commentary on issues that matter. Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com and you're listening to the Alex Merced Cast. And this is a first of a new series of Monday episodes. So you'll still have your regular Friday scheduled episodes, but now we'll be trying to do an additional Monday episode. And eventually I want to add even more days of the week. It just depends on support. So basically right now, I've kind of have some new flexibility in which I can kind of add a new episode to the schedule. Um, it's not permanent per se, or well, at least not for sure permanent so whether i'm going to be able to continue doing these monday episodes and even add more days of the week is going to depend on whether you guys want it and if you guys would like to see more content like the content you're going to hear in this episode then become a patron over there at patreon.com slash alex merced patreon.com slash alex merced and if you don't want to become a monthly supporter you can make one-time donations or even buy t-shirts and my book or other merchandise by going to donate.alexmerced.com um the ability to um raise certain amounts will determine whether i can keep making these monday episodes and whether i can add even additional days of the week and make the time and be able to afford the time to make additional content so I just want to kind of get that out there. So with that, let's begin. So today we're going to be talking about the Tennessee Valley Authority. Uh, someone recently came to me and said, how, how can people, how can this be a private corporation? How can there be people who own shares of the Tennessee Valley Authority? Because um, isn't this a government thing? Now, there are a lot of um, blurred lines when it comes to what is a government body and what isn't a government body. You'd be surprised how many of the, the entities that create rules and regulations, that run things that seem to be government bodies, that even have, are controlled by government bodies, are actually not technically government bodies. They are not funded by taxpayer money. Uh, directly, they are not part of the government's balance sheet. The Tennessee Valley Authority is one of them. The Tennessee Valley Authority was born out of the New Deal. So basically, the Tennessee Valley, which basically is like Tennessee, parts of Mississippi, Alabama, North Carolina, uh, that that region of the country was much more economically uh, impoverished in need of electricity once upon a time. And a lot of people felt, and the thing is that one of the issues when you're providing public utilities, uh, less and less so today, but more and more so in the past, is that you, you needed land, because you needed land to put the uh, telephone wires, the electric wiring, whatnot, to get electricity, telephone, whatnot, from place to place. And it's really hard, and it's the same thing with, with building roads, it's like, well, your house is in the way of where we want to build our road, or we want to put our power line. So private power companies would have oftentimes have to buy out lands from and 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 pay a lot of money to buy lands or negotiate uh to be able to build their infrastructure privately and sometimes when they couldn't they would just negotiate with local governments uh or state governments or federal governments who would use something called eminent domain and they would just take people's property okay one of the most well-known 
eminent domain cases is the Kilo decision, um, which was recently documented in a movie called A Little Pink House. So if you haven't seen Little Pink House, I highly recommend watching it. It'll give you a much better idea of how eminent domain works. But it's basically the government taking land. Typically, it was supposed to be meant for public use, meaning, you know, power lines, roads, things that everyone's going to kind of benefit from theoretically, not necessarily for private use, which is what happened in the Kilo decision, where the government took the land and gave it to a private company for a private company facility that never got created. So the actual land is just in there unused now, despite being taken from someone who was perfectly happy, happily living there. But what happened with the Tennessee Valley in particular is that, so they wanted to kind of make electricity more affordable because all these evil electricity companies were charging so much, partly to do because how difficult it is to build out this infrastructure um, and the cost of having to buy the properties from people who live there and work out deals and whatnot to get everybody you need on board on board makes it expensive. Okay, and that's just the, the nature of things, at least in the beginning. But what happens is that they say, okay, let's create this thing called the Tennessee Valley Authority. And the Tennessee Valley Authority is going to have the ability to use eminent domain to take the land it needs, to build the infrastructure it needs to compete. It's actually a private corporation. The gov- federal government does own the majority of the shares in this private corporation. So there are other people who own shares in the Tennessee Valley Authority. I'm pretty sure you can trade shares in the Tennessee Valley Authority. But then what happens is the Tennessee Valley Authority was essentially competing with all the other oil companies, or not oil companies, but other energy companies, because the Tennessee Valley Authority worked through wind power, uh, hydropower, oil, nuclear. Basically, it it operated a whole portfolio, and still to this day operates a, a very diverse portfolio of energy sources in this area of the country. But it had the advantage that it could pretty much use eminent domain to kind of have the government's backing, so it was able to basically put a lot of the other energy companies in the area either out of business or they eventually got acquired by the TVA. So the TVA became sort of the only game in town uh, up until, you know, energy deregulation started becoming a thing uh, in that area of the country. And while it did economically reju- reju- um, rejuvenate the area, because what happened is that when they came there, they started building up all this infrastructure, they had to hire people to build up this infrastructure. So that brought, a, that meant a whole bunch of people had to kind of move there to, to work, to build the infrastructure. Those people needed to buy things, so people came and built stores for the sell to those people to, to buy those things. And then once these facilities were created, people needed to still actually staff these facilities, so those stores stuck around. Um, it definitely resulted in modernizing the area, but also displaced a lot of families. Again, that whole eminent domain thing, where they're just taking property from people. And, you know, people could say, hey, this was a success. You have this sort of economic development of this area, um, you know, that a private business could have done. But a private business can't do it, couldn't do it because they can't just go around taking people's property. And that's not a bad thing. And if we think that, you know, we can just throw out the ability for people to have stuff that's theirs whenever it's inconvenient, um to developing things, you end up going down a really slippery slope really quick on what you will do to develop the economy. At the end of the day, economic development is good, but economic development shouldn't trump human rights. Okay? Um, And I understand that there's an argument saying, well, you know, people will be better off, human welfare will be better off if this economic development happens. But at the same time, you keep setting 
precedence that you can keep eroding human rights in the name of sort of uh, development, welfare, etc. Or and not necessarily you're preventing a decline in welfare. You are just saying, hey, you know what? There will be an increase in welfare. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice your rights not because you'd be worse off if I don't do it. It's because you may be somewhat some maybe not you maybe somebody somewhere, but we think more people than not would be better off if we sacrifice your rights. Eventually, at what point and what benefit, you start eroding more and more and it becomes more of a thing and you end up with things like the Kilo decision where basic governments are just like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, this company is good for the state, so, uh, you know, we're just going to take your house and give it to them. So, um, that's probably the biggest thing you can critique about the Tennessee Valley Authority initially. And again... This is the problem with sort of government monopolies. Like in the short run, yeah, they could just go in there. Uh, you can monopolize something. You'll end up having larger scale in the short run. And you may be a little initially lower costs. But the problem is competition has other effects other than just scale. Scale isn't the only thing that lowers costs. Innovation lowers costs. And innovation is oftentimes very driven by competition. Now, luckily, it's like it's not like this is the only power market in the world. So the fact that there's other markets for power around the world where there is competition still led to innovation parallel. But, you know, these things, you can always have better adoption, better processes over time. And uh, but that's what the Tennessee Valley Authority is. It's still around to this day. It's still around, still providing electricity. Uh, it shut down a couple coal file plants recently. But it's not the only thing like this. There's a lot of them in there. And they generally have that word authority in it. Think like in Long Island, who runs the power in Long Island? The Long Island Power Authority. Who runs the subway? The Metro Transit Authority. None of these are directly a government. People think that when they pay taxes in New York City, that that's essentially going to the MTA. I mean, to some extent there is going to the subway because of the way New York City has it set up. But for the most part, the MTA is a separate entity and gets revenue separately. So, like, the MTA is really funded by the revenue that the MTA generates and has a separate balance sheet, meaning it operates as a separate entity than the New York City government or the New York State government. Even though New York City, certain New York City office holders and New York State office holders hold seats on the board of the MTA, and other parties do as well. But it's a separate entity, per se, that's been given this sort of monopoly and this sort of mission to run this thing. And there's a lot of ways, uh, a lot of different levels and a lot of different facilities that are run this way. Actually, most utilities, most things are kind of run this sort of separate authority kind of way. And again, so you always look for that word authority. And generally, these are not backed by tax payer money directly, typically. Typically, what they'll do is they'll issue bonds. So they'll borrow money through what's called a revenue bond which investors can buy tax-free. And these revenue bonds then get bought back by the revenues of the project. And what's happened is that a lot of people initially looked at this Tennessee Valley Authority and the economic effect it had in that area and be like, look, it's just a success. It, it, you know, yeah, we displaced some people, but look, there's some people that are better off, all this economic development. So people tried this in other places. They started pushing, saying, hey, everyone around the world should do programs like this. And they tried them all over the world in places like Vietnam, and, and they didn't work so well. So, you know, sometimes you do the right thing in the right place, but this is the problem. It's like... It's not that government can never do anything that works out. Once in a while, it may. 
But oftentimes there's costs in the sense of setting bad precedents regarding human rights, regarding people being displaced. Oftentimes for the benefit, there are costs that people just oftentimes are more likely to ignore when it's a government doing it than when it's a business doing it. And oftentimes there's benefits to when you have private actors who have to negotiate and bring everyone to the table, which may cost more, which may be harder to do. Uh, but there are benefits to that sort of consensus building that happens in sort of con consent markets, in, in voluntary markets, uh, that people overlook versus the costs of how much longer it may take to do things voluntarily, uh, the higher cost of doing things voluntarily in some cases. But oftentimes you end up getting... It, it pays off later because you build these channels of communication. You build these, we learn how to build these consensus, which means we'll build these consensus quicker and we'll learn to cooperate better faster. And on top of it, the innovation, the competitive pressures that allow innovations and price savings and all this kind of stuff to happen. So there's a lot of benefits to when people have to learn to work together instead of being forced to work together uh, through programs like Tennessee Valley Authority and whatnot. So can we say that nothing good came out of Tennessee Valley Authority? That'd be hard. That'd be a hard thing to say. There, you know, there were more jobs brought to the area. Now, of course, there's always the opportunity cost. So those people who end up working and developing that that infrastructure could have been working and developing something somewhere else and provide a demand, which would have meant more businesses somewhere else. So you can always just make, you know, the the claim that you're reshuffling deck chairs, but it's not necessarily. Um, there was other things they did and educated farmers that were already in the area as far as how to get better crop yields. There were a lot of things that could, you could argue and point to and be like, that wasn't a bad thing. But again, the precedents that were set were the costs of displacing people, whatnot, and also the cost of saying this is a way we should do things more often than not. Is there a long-term cost of that when you have failed versions of this around the world and people who were displaced in those situations where there is nothing to show for it? So there's all these sort of long macro discussions as far as not just was this one instance of something good, but what message does it send to the rest of history? And again, this is a really high level, you know, I'm not sitting here digging deep. I'm sure I could find more things to criticize it or even to more good things about it if I look deeper into the data. But at the high level, there is a reasonable discussion to be had over how we solve problems, not whether we solve problems, and what are the costs and benefits of those methods, meaning voluntary versus compulsion, over the long run. So this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. You're listening to the Alex Merced cast. Again, this is the first of a new series of Monday episodes, so I'm going to try to find topics like this that will be educational, interesting, uh, enlightening. And we're going to try to do them on these Monday episodes. So if you have an idea, please reach out to me, Alex Merced at alexmerced.com. Also, make sure to become a subscriber over there at patreon.com. By becoming a subscriber, you also do get access to an exclusive Discord group. So where you can hang out with other subscribers and myself. So you'll get more direct access, asking me questions, giving me show, show tips or requests. Also, there'll be other benefits down the road. If you can't become a subscriber, consider making a donation. You can become a subscriber for as little as a dollar a month. Okay? Just a dollar a month. But I would love it if you were $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever you think you could support the show with. But if you can support us a dollar a month, that's appreciated as well. Uh, just to show that, you know, that audience is out there, that there's that support out there. And uh, you can check out all this and many other options over there at donate.alexmerced.com. But if you want me to keep doing these Monday, this new Monday series... Like this episode you just heard, 
please do become a supporter. And if we get enough, we'll even add more episodes a week. And we'll be able to dedicate the time to do more and more and more. So this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. Have a great day. Enjoy. And thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Alex Merced cast. Learn more at alexmerced.com, libertarian101.com, and libertarianwingmedia.com. Follow Alex Merced on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.